Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio Behind Enemy Lines, the 2019 Summer Series. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 19 of season 8, franchise episode all-time number 205. A big thanks goes out to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. Tom Calhoun, paguytom.com. Make sure you check him out there. All voiceover work, including books on tape. If you're interested in uh, hearing Tom read you a nice little book, uh, maybe before bedtime, I recommend that. Also, make sure you check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider buying a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. Also, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgobluesradio.com. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating. Five stars would be awesome. But uh, whatever you think we deserve, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Well, uh, folks, we do have an email to read this week, so that's exciting. Uh, In fact, I think it's time we keep the party going. So on this episode, we have a, well, I guess for people who know me and, and myself, this is a little bit of a special keep the party going because it comes from a friend of the show, Mr. Adam Gold. If uh, you do not know who Mr. Adam Gold is, uh, first of all, you should check out uh, the, his Gold Plan. It's uh, something he's met with the NHL about and uh, had various discussions with uh, some of the elite in the sports world. Uh, you, you can search it on uh, uh, Google or uh, Bing or Alta Vista or whatever you use for your search. Uh, Gold Plan. If you use like Gold Plan NHL, I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, it's basically we've talked about it on the show before. It's a way to um, you know stop the tanking of teams that are trying to get the Connor McDavid's of the world. So in the draft. So make sure you uh, check that out if you haven't before. It's very interesting. It's a mathematical formula that. Makes sense to even me because I don't know anything about math. I uh, I struggled through math even in college. Uh, let's just say it like this, and I think I've said this on the show before. When I uh, graduated, I I partied, you know, I celebrated. But when I took my last math class my sophomore year, I think I partied harder. That was a much bigger deal to me because that means I would never have taken another math class ever again. So the fact that I could understand this plan says something about Adam's plan. Uh, I do want to mention, before I read his email, that uh, he does make a couple personal references. So, first thing I want to say, Lindsay, he talks about his girlfriend, Lindsay, 
Uh, she is, uh, she's his, been his girlfriend for a little over a year, as far as I know, maybe longer. Uh, so I do want to make reference to that when he says, Lindsay, that's who. And then when he mentions Shay, if you don't know who that is, that is my son, my seven-year-old. So uh, just a couple things I wanted to mention there before I get into his email. But here we go, folks. Strap yourselves in because uh, this is an interesting one, as is everything Adam does. Here we go. Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Keep the Party Going. Let's Go Blues radio podcast feels like an extension of the team with Tom Calhoun starting off every podcast. Maybe he could also announce your starting lineup. Besides announcing hosts Bill, Kurt, Jeff, and Leonardo every show, how sick would it be if he announced your starting beers for the night? You know, Adam, that would be really awesome, but we would have to have him record something. We would have to have him live. You know, maybe uh, have him, like, in a booth right next to Kurt's, uh, uh, Kurt's office. Not a bad idea. We'll see about that. Stick Taps for the Wild and Free. Fire is a great song from a local band. Perhaps we have found the replacement for Charles Glenn. There has been a lot of good local music come out of St. Louis. My old roommate and guys I played hockey with for years got to play at Point Fest this year. Maybe we could start our own band, Jeff. I think a good hockey band name would be Stick Taps. Everyone could be drummers. Zero talent required, just like my hockey skills. Ah, give yourself a little more credit there, Adam. You've uh, definitely uh, uh, put yourself in a better position offensively. This guy's a goal scorer now, folks. Back to Adam. I wish I could say uh, I was born for hockey and kicked out of the womb with skates on. Ooh, your poor mother. I didn't start playing until I was 19, but I started watching when I was 9. The first Blues game I ever watched, start to finish, was February 25th, 1993, with the Blues winning 3-0 against Gretzky and the LA Kings. The Blues' all-time record with me as a fan is 1,044, 748, 148, and 128, where the 128 is the ties. In the playoffs, the Blues and I are 86-87 and with one Stanley Cup. This season has been the most exciting hockey I've ever seen and has been an extraordinary year. St. Louis relates to the Blues a lot, win or lose. Wins pick us up, and we are always rallying for the next one. We are screaming for it, on our feet for it, bleeding for it. In every breath we take, there's a slightly audible, let's go Blues. It's in our dreams, our thoughts, and now it's on the cup. I always thought I was the biggest Blues fan. That changed on September 3rd, 2018, when I met Lindsay. She is a stunning and wonderful lass. You may recognize her from her days in the WWE, TLC shows, and Grey's Anatomy. She is six foot nine, as tall as Shara or Pareko on skates. I'm in love and to tell everyone about her. I was in our hockey locker room and I mentioned I was dating a six foot nine pro WWE wrestler. Jeff, you looked at me dead in the eye and said, Adam, I believe you. Uh, okay, quick note there. Uh, there's, a, there's a little bit more to that story. So basically, Adam, Adam, what are you, Adam? About 5'8", five, 5'9", five, maybe? Um, so when he came into the locker room last summer at one point and told us that he was dating a girl who was 6'9", former WWE wrestler, she was on TLC, everyone kind of, you know, the, if you've been in a hockey locker room, you know, it, there's a lot of stories told. And everybody kind of just, okay, yeah, right, okay, Adam, yeah, okay. And, um, you know, Adam... Adam may be a lot of things, but one thing he is not, 
is a liar. So I knew. I'm like, there's no way he's lying here. He, he's never given me a reason to not believe him. So I, I did. I told Madam, I believe you. And uh, uh, I, I guess that uh, stuck with him. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, why would why would he lie about that? That's uh, the weirdest thing to lie about. So, you know, good for him. And I met Lindsay, side note. One of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. So when Adam says good things about her, he means that she is a uh, a very, very cool person. And um, Adam, I'm glad you found love because she's she's great. Uh, back to Adam. Lindsay is a Vegas girl who just moved to St. Louis in the summer of 2018. We met at Poor Richards in Eureka, a bar where the drunk driver crashed into during the Stanley Cup playoffs. That was our bar. I took Lindsay to her first hockey game over Thanksgiving week to the Blues home game with the Jets. This was my chance to get her into hockey forever. Line A scored five. Lindsay still stayed with hockey in the Blues. She cheers me on in my beer league games. I mean, she heckles me. That girl can cut a promo. She once told me my name play was so bad, I was our team's brewer. That got me fired up. Did you know you have something in common with Lindsay? I think he's speaking to me here. Both of you have blues tattoos now. I did know that, Adam. Thank you. Uh, Lindsay will be my witness for this. January 17th, before our record-setting 11-game winning streak, was my last clean shave. I started to believe fully in Bennington and the blues. I shaved my beard at the parade minutes after seeing the cup. I have the GPS coordinates where my playoff beard will rest forever. Lindsay and I had a lot of special memories together during this cup run. She got sick in April, and we were in the hospital, still supporting the Blues. It was tough times against the Jets in Game 5 when we were down 2-0. Before and the before and after reaction from Lindsay from the Schwartz pinball goal turned her hospital stay around. We were thinking of what could be and if any team could stand in our way. I wonder which NHL team we'll be representing from behind enemy lines for the show you read this for. This 2019 Cup was tough to win, and I'm sure the other team's blogger will share stories of how another team tried to make our Cup win more competitive, and we will collectively reflect on how we battled through that adversity. Well, Jeff, this has been a lot of fun. We could talk for hours. The Keep the Party Going segment has been a highlight of the Behind Enemy Lines Summer Series. I wanted to give your listeners some details on how to find me. I'll be on the bench in your local neighborhood hockey beer league. I play guard and tackle. I guard the bench and tackle anyone who comes near it. I am always trying to get better. This Blues team played a hell of a season and are true professionals I learn from in-game or in life. Among all Blues players, I was most excited to see Jaden Schwartz lift the cup from Andy. I wish comfort and peace for everyone who sent in letters for their dearly departed family and friends. Bob's letter on behalf of Dawson was very personal. So are your stories of Stan Ponder. That's my father, for those that might be new to the show. Uh, passed from leukemia in 2015. Their stories of how much the Blues' Stanley Cup run meant to them are inspiring. Thank you, previous Keep the Party Going contributors, for sharing your personal lives with the Let's Go Blues radio audience. Hearing about everyone's connection to the St. Louis Blues hockey has made the Cup even more special. Shay will always know how much the Blues mean to you and will remember how much joy this Cup win has meant for you and yours. Let's Go Blues, play Gloria. Adam, thank you very much for emailing in. As I said, I, I know Adam personally, as does Kurt, and I believe Bill knows him as well. Uh, he's been a longtime member of the Let's Go Blues.com forums. Uh, Winning Unlimited is his name there, if anybody uh, happens to be on the forum. 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, there's a there's a lot to to get into there. But uh, but man, Adam, I really appreciate that. Um, your your loyal listener tude. I'm gonna come up with a word there uh, for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Is it meant a lot to to myself and, and Kurt. And whenever you, uh, it, Adam is one of those guys that he, he comes up to me in the in the locker room or before a game and uh, always tells me how good the last episode was and. We always end up talking about uh, what we talked about on the show, and uh, it, it really means a lot, Adam. I really appreciate that. As as a lot of our friends uh, that, that I play hockey with listen to the show, and they tell me it always means a lot to me that, uh, that, that people I know are listening to the show and, and obviously enjoying it. They wouldn't be listening if they didn't, so uh, that always means a lot. But uh, Adam, yes, I... Uh, you're right, we could talk for hours. In fact, we've done that. We've sat uh, in tournaments before, and between games and, and had long conversations about the blues so uh, i really appreciate you uh, emailing in and uh, again if you want to check out the gold plan which is uh, a very interesting take on how the draft would function make sure you search it on uh, uh what's one i haven't said yet ask jeeves search on askjeeves.com well, it's time to get into our guest of this episode. Uh, Adam was wondering which episode we would be reading his email on. Well, it's the Hurricanes episode, sir. Uh, Mike from Cheaters Never Win podcast and Section328.com. We talk, we talk a lot about the, uh, the Hurricanes run this last year. And, uh, we also talk about obviously the Blues' run. This was recorded in mid-June. This was, uh, June 18th. So this was just uh, not even a week after the Blues won the Cup. So I was probably still in a party phase at that point, as I'm sure most of you were. Uh, but yeah, we talk about the uh, the Blues' run, the Hurricanes' run, and then, of course, one of the bigger things, uh, the fallout from the Pronger-Shanahan trade uh, back in the 90s, uh, which we're still seeing trickle effects of that as we'll get into uh, into today's game, which is very interesting. It's always interesting to see those trade trees and uh, that's one of the most interesting one for Blues lore. So again, uh, Mike from the Cheaters Never Win podcast and Section328.com coming up next. Today we are talking Carolina Hurricanes, and I am joined by Mike from Section328, that's Section328.com, and the Cheaters Never Win podcast. We'll get to Mike here in a minute. First, I want to run down some stats of the Blues and the Hurricanes history. Uh, all-time record for the Blues against the Carolina Hurricanes. 82 games played, 47 wins, 29 losses, 5 ties, and 1 overtime loss. Uh, remember that the Carolina Hurricanes were originally the Hartford Whalers. Uh, so the first meeting against Hartford was on uh, December 29th, 1979. Uh, that was a 3-0 win for the Blues. That was also Mike Liute's first NHL shutout, made 36 saves in that contest. I know we all remember that game well. First meeting versus the Hurricanes for the Blues came in Carolina's first season. It was actually one of the first teams to play against the Hurricanes. Uh, it was October 13th, 1997. It was a 3-1 win for the Blues. Terry Yake got the game-winning goal, and that was his first goal as a St. Louis Blue. Terry Yake, a beloved member of the Blues alumni. I believe he's still the president. So uh, cool to see Terry Yake's name pop up here against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, so now I want to go to my guest, Mike. Uh, again, Mike from the Cheaters Never Win podcast. 
Uh, Mike has been uh, uh, courteous enough, and we're recording this here on June 18th, 2019. This will be airing, obviously, later this summer. Uh, Mike is on his way to the NHL draft, and uh, he is uh, courteous enough to come on and, and talk to me today about the Blues and Hurricanes, uh, I guess, storied past. I don't know if that's the right way to word that. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Happy to, happy to be here, and uh, congratulations on your Stanley Cup win. Your success smells fabulous. Yes, yes, it does. It was, uh, it, it's been fun because I've recorded a bunch of these um, before the uh, the Blues won the Cup. So it's kind of funny. I, I've been telling people, like, man, do I do I leave this stuff in where people talk about how they are rooting for the Blues? They hope the Blues get their first Cup. And I thought, you know, I listened back to a little bit of it, and it was it, it kind of gave me tingles. So it's like, you know what? If it's making me excited, it's going to make somebody else excited. So uh, kind of nice to actually talk to someone who, uh, who, who can actually say congratulations to the Blues fans on the, their first Cup win. I, I tell you what, I remember July 19th, 2006, uh, like it was yesterday. I remember being in the building. There is nothing greater uh, than your team raising a cup on Game 7. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you guys didn't get to do it uh, home there at the Savas Center. I think it's still the Savas Center, no? Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise Center, there you go. There See, you I, go. I go way back as a blues guy. Uh, <laughs> I actually used to work for Sabs forever ago. Uh, but yeah, I know. So it's, um, it, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's something you never forget. And uh, it was such an amazing, fun run. Everything from uh, everything that happened with, with Pat Maroon in Game 7 to you know all of the controversy surrounding some of the games. So uh, it was an amazing playoff. Glad the Hurricanes got to be at least a small part of it. Uh, hate that uh, you guys did get a chance to visit beautiful downtown Raleigh. Yeah, that was um, you know that we'll get to that here in a little bit. We're going to talk about 2019 playoffs and the Hurricanes' run. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was exciting to see what happened there with uh, the Hurricanes. Obviously, a former Stanley Cup champ, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, that would have been an interesting matchup, Blues and Hurricanes there in the Stanley Cup final. Oh, you, you know it. I mean, I will, and I know we're probably going to talk about this, but uh, that that game where the St. Louis Blues were on such a run, uh, the Canes were on a run, and uh, visited Raleigh, the, the 5-2 win, uh, was probably uh, the best game I saw the Canes play regular season all year this year. Yeah, um, well, yeah, definitely. Let's, let's get to that in a little bit. I'd like to jump around a little bit, but... Um... There's a couple things I'm going to talk about before the Hurricanes came into existence. Um, and really, actually, the first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, I did not bring up with this with you, so uh, hopefully I'm not catching you off guard. But uh, before the Hurricanes came, before the Whalers became the Hurricanes, were you a hockey fan? I was a hockey fan. So so my, my hockey fandom, uh, I grew up as a kid in the Carolinas and uh, went to school up north. And uh, one of my good friends, it was my sophomore year of college, I believe my freshman or sophomore year of college, he said, hey, my dad has tickets to the uh, Capitals uh, and we should go see this Capitals Sabres game uh, that's going on tonight. And I was like, okay, sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. Come to find out, uh, about seven rows off the ice, uh, yours truly is sitting right before Dale Hunter murdered a man. Oh, boy. Uh, so, so that was my first ever hockey game. Uh, and not knowing how awful or atrocious and, and evil that was, I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I have to have this for the rest of my life. And I have been a 
just a crazy, fervent hockey fan ever since. Uh, you know, before that, would you know, kind of watch on the periphery, but uh, Carolina not having a team. Um, you know, didn't get to see a lot of it live, and, and just saw what uh, NHL Tonight and Barry Melrose gave us. So uh, that that is the the, the beginning of uh, my hockey loved him. So did you? Uh, were you rooting for the Capitals, or did you even have a favorite team before the Hurricanes? I I, I did, and this is uh, so as a, a as a child of the '80s and the '90s, uh, my my hockey fandom uh, has always surrounded, or at least started surrounding uh, EA's NA, NHL sports. Of course, and I, I I I became a fan of the Quebec Nordique uh, because Joe Sakic, uh you shall be referred to in my house forever as Rishad Jesus, uh, <laughs> was I believe the greatest hockey player of all time. Who's the, I don't know this Gretzky kid, but uh, he did not have the snap wrister uh, that Joe Sakic did. So, uh, yeah, no, I I, I grew up. Uh, kind of fell in love with Larry Kaminsky, uh, Joe Sakic, uh, Ron Ron Hextall, and uh, the Quebec. Uh, and, and then from there, obviously, once Carolina had a team, uh, I, I've been a Carolina Hurricanes fan ever since. That's great. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I remember those old uh, NHL games. I always felt like whenever Joe Sackick or Brett Hall even took a shot, it always seemed to find the back of the net. And he's, uh, he, he's, he's one of the greatest, greatest video game players of all time. That's right. Oh, put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he already is. That's it. Yes. <laughs> uh so I want to talk to you again uh before the hurricanes come to town. Um obviously this uh this was something I don't know if it was on your radar back then, but uh big one of the biggest trades in blues history and it's funny cuz you can you can trace its lineage back pretty far and and it still is going on today. There's still been touches of it. There's a lot of talks of it in uh the Stanley Cup final that uh Brendan Shanahan bringing him to St. Louis uh just a couple of years before this big trade we're going to talk about that actually leads all the way back to Jordan Bennington being with the St. Louis Blues. But uh, that's everyone knows that story in St. Louis. We don't need to touch on that anymore, but it's a, quite the interesting story. But involved in that, July 27th, 1995, one of the biggest trades and also one of the most maligned trades at the time, at least in St. Louis, uh, was the uh, the Whalers trading their top prospect, guy that played a little bit, had a little bit of a rough start in his NHL career because of off-ice issues. A uh, young kid named Chris Pronger gets traded, and uh, he's traded for Brendan Shanahan, just a fan favorite here in St. Louis. And uh, obviously there were some locker room issues we don't need to get into with Mr. Shanahan and some teammates, but uh, Shanahan ends up going over to the Hartford Whalers. And, and now this is obviously, you know, I, I don't, we don't need an in-depth analysis here. I think anybody can tell you that this trade kind of, I guess, worked out for both sides. But by the time the, the Hurricanes come into existence, they don't have Chris Pronger. They don't have Brendan Shanahan because he has been moved on since. First couple of years there in Carolina, how different would that have looked with either of those players on the roster? Wow. So you're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna touch a nerve in both of them. Best in the worst way, huh? You know, <laughs> That's you're right. Bring up, you're going to bring up one of the most – one of the guys I, I dislike more than anyone in the National Hockey League, Brendan Shanahan. <laughs> Brendan Shanahan I, – I, I will quote Ace Ventura, pet detective, when I say Brendan Shanahan should die of gonorrhea in Rondell. <laughs> um do not like the guy again. So, so let's go back. You know, Brendan Shanahan hates Hartford. I don't want to play here. It's awful. You know, what's better than Hartford? Yeah, Detroit. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so let's fast forward. So we don't get, you know, somebody who has a big name, Brendan Shanahan. We see what Pronger's doing, just absolutely being a beast out there uh, in um, St. Louis. Being a beast out, out there in St. Louis. But it all works out, right? Everything always works out. So we trade Brendan Shanahan for Keith Primo. Keith Primo comes to Raleigh, demands $8 million or something crazy like that, holds out for in his in, in the second season of the Carolina Hurricanes as the captain, uh, and, and just the, the Canes won't bend to his will. So the Canes trade their captain uh, for one of the most beloved players in Philadelphia Flyer history, a young Mr. Rod Brendamore, who just so happens to lift the Stanley Cup over the rot corpse of Chris Pronger <laughs> on – June 19th, 2006. So, yes, it all eventually worked out for both of us. Uh, it took the Blues a little bit more time than maybe us. But uh, the securitist route that it got us to getting uh, our Lord and Savior, Rod Brendamore, uh, is uh, is something that uh, we, we greatly appreciate. No, that's it is funny because, you know, obviously, like I said, it was a, a big to do about how uh, Jordan Biddington is here because of the Brendan Shanahan trade and or Brendan Shanahan signing with the Blues, and then obviously Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger leads to Eric Brewer. Eric Brewer leads to Jordan Biddington. And it's funny because you look at, for Blues fans, you don't think about where else this went, how else this this affected the lineage of of all these other teams. And and uh, in I'll admit, I was one of those people. You know, I'm, I consider myself a a big student of the game and student of the NHL. And when I was doing the research for you and I to talk today. I didn't realize that that this trade can be connected back to Rod Brendamore, also a former Blue. And uh, you know, when Rod Brendamore, I mean, I'll admit I was very happy to see him raise the cup because I was always a big fan of his. And uh, you know, to see Rod the Bod uh, able to lift the cup, and, and then you you look at, well, well, shit, you can trace that back to the Shanahan and Pronger trade. I mean, that's really cool to think about. Um, you know, is that something that people are aware about in, in Carolina, or do they they just Kind of thing. Well, this this kid Rod Brindamore came out of nowhere. Well, I, you know, we we all knew Brendy was was originally a, a, a blue. Uh, he, you know, it, it's kind of been conditioned upon us Arcane's fans, right? If you go back to our previous owner Peter Carmanos, uh, he was the owner of the of the Whalers and then the Hurricanes, but. Uh, the, the Hartford faithful were, were none too kind to Mr. Carmanos, and Mr. Carmanos made it his uh, made it his goal in life to basically remove any sense of history for how the Carolina Hurricanes existed before they moved to Carolina. So there was no recognition of Hartford, there was no recognition of records, there was no recognition of players, and because of that, you know, we we don't see the Shanty Pronger trade. We see the the the, the more of the the Shanty Primo trade, uh, who which led to the uh, you know Primo being the second captain in Carolina's Hurricanes history, right behind Kevin Dineen. Um So so a little bit of that is kind of obfuscated from us because uh, for the better part of twenty years we just ignored that Hartford even existed. Uh, but now under under new owner Tom Dundon, Tom has uh, you know rightfully so said, hey look you know we should. We should look at the history that's happened here, and and also uh, that green that green Whalers jersey is not only gorgeous, but it's a cash cow, and the Canes need money, so let's sell it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too, and let's go ahead and jump ahead a little bit to that. The uh, the 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 like you said, it seemed like the Hurricanes kind of uh, kind of took on their own history and just kind of ignored. I don't want to I don't know if ignored's the right word, but 
definitely uh, didn't seem to uh, uh, really uh, take umbrage with the, uh, the the old Whalers franchise. And this year, there was a turn there. I mean, wh- what was the word like in, in Carolina to see that? Because I know here in St. Louis and talking to the hockey circles I do across the country, everyone was excited to see those Whalers jerseys come back. Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting for us. I mean, Peter Carmanos was literally burned in effigy uh, in Hartford. Uh, and, and because of that, he, he wanted to disassociate himself with everything Hartford. And, uh, you know, Tom Dundon saw this as a, a chance to maybe reconnect to the past. Peter Carmanos famously uh, did not do a great job of, of reconnecting with that old alumni and, and people who were associated with there uh, and, and people who have just kind of been pushed aside. And, and Tom Dundon is, is trying you know, and I think it's going to take some time because he's ruffled a few feathers the wrong way when he came in too. Um, but I, I think folks are seeing that uh, some of the choices that he he's been making are, are very sound. And um, you know, I, I again, let's call it what it is, right? It's a beautiful jersey. It's a beautiful logo. It was an absolute cash grab uh, by by the marketing and the ownership team in this group. But it was a really cool. Uh, you know, homage to our history to open it up. Uh, and maybe even cooler than actually seeing the sweaters was hearing Brass Bonanza in the building yes. when a goal was scored. It was, it was just so cool, man. I mean, again, takes me back to those NHL 94 days, you know, Pat Verbeek scoring and you uh, hear the horn and Brass Bonanza goes off. So, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, when I was a kid, I, I played as the, uh, the Blues, but, uh, as I got a little bit older and started realizing, you know, I don't always have to be the Blues. I could just be another team and acquire players I want. I always picked the Hartford Whalers. And so, uh, yeah, just because of Brass Bonanza, I loved hearing that after Coles. <laughs> yeah, it's just just so much fun. And the fact that they chose to do it only twice, so they didn't really milk it, uh, but they chose to do it with one of the Bruins, I mean, with one of the uh, Whalers' old biggest rivals in the Boston Bruins, uh, I thought was a nice touch by not only the Hurricanes, but the National Hockey League uh, to kind of, uh, you know, kind of tip their hats that For sure. Um, so we, we talked a little bit already about the Hurricanes uh, championship season in 26, or 2006. Um, and, uh, I do, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that because there is a, a couple tie-ins with the blues. Obviously we already talked about Rod Brindamore, um, but there's a couple blues on the team. Uh, and then obviously Chris Pronger on the opposing team on the Oilers. Uh, but on January 30th, that season, uh, there was a big trade for the, uh, at least for the hurricanes. Uh, people remember this trade. I'm sure, uh, the blues had traded, uh, their star center in Doug Waite. Uh, and the rights to uh, a guy I've never heard of, Erky Rajamaki. That name ring a bell with you there, Mike? <laughs> Carolina Hurricane legend, Erky Rajamaki. <laughs> of course. And uh, the Blues did not get much back. Uh, a couple draft picks. Really the only ones that, that fans would probably remember is uh, goalie Red O'Bara and then uh, fourth-round pick in 2007, Cade Fairchild, who uh, saw a cup of coffee with the Blues. So this is uh, this trade obviously was a big, I guess uh, um, the right word to say would probably be a statement from the Hurricanes that hey we're we're going for the cup this year and for the Blues it was definitely a yeah we're we're not going anywhere we're going to move some of our pieces um, when that trade happened in Carolina now I know I'm asking you to recall 13 years ago uh, what was the buzz like in Carolina when when that trade and then. I think there was a couple more happened uh, to really bolster that offense. Yeah, I, 
tell you what, I, I can tell you exactly what the reaction was. Holy shit, we got Ducky Wait. <laughs> that, that was the reaction. Uh, and, and I think the reaction was a couple of things, right? The Hurricanes had previously been very much a cash trap team, had been a team that had not gone out and gotten uh, expensive talent at the trade deadline to, to help bolster this club. And not only was this that, I, I think this was the beginning of the Jimmy Rutherford legend. Uh, Jimmy Rutherford, who won, uh, you know, GM of the year that year. Um, it was a move that was well ahead of the trade deadline. And at that point in 2006, everyone, you know, all of the moves tended to wait, uh, to, you know, within a couple of days of the trade deadline. And Jimmy struck weeks early. Uh, and, and I think it was one of the smartest moves that Jimmy ever made because it allowed Doug Waits not only come in, but come in, get ingrained with the locker room, understand his position in this team, and, and to really kind of secure himself on that power play unit uh, that, that at that point in the season needed some help. I mean, folks look back and like, oh, crap, the Canes won the cup. But, you know, the Canes were only a few points shy of the President's Trophy that year. They had an absolutely phenomenal season. And uh, you really just – you know, really, we're just playing great. So, and that was that was kind of that first piece where we all looked around and said, "Holy cow, uh, these guys might be going for it." And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, Jimmy trades for Mark Recchi, um, who I, I think Mark Recchi's played for every team in the league. He probably played for the Blues at some point. Um, Doctor Mark Recchi, for those of us who know and love him. But uh, you know, the, those were those two big moves that that really kind of just secured that uh, secured that team. And uh, you know, kind of one of those things where you know Dougie Dougie separates his shoulder uh, in the Stanley Cup final, and, and it, it's uh, it, it's kind of iconic lore that you know Dougie couldn't play, I believe, in Game Six or Game Seven, but uh, Dougie actually got a shot in the shoulder. Had someone put on his pads, had someone put on his skates and tie his skates, put on his jersey so that way he could go onto the ice and at least lift the cup, which he did, uh, which was, uh, you know, if you look at it, anybody who's listened to the podcast goes look at the picture of Doug Wade, you know, Carolina Hurricanes, Stanley Cup, you'll see that he's got, you know, he's got the light end of the cup up really high, but the other one's uh, almost resting on his shoulder uh, because he can't lift that arm at all. So basically, it's just kind of looking there, and he wasn't able to hold it long. But, uh, you know, just uh, Doug Waite, great person. Uh, we, we loved him for the, the, the short time that we had him here in Carolina. And uh, we, had, we had hoped he would stay, but uh, you know, had he stayed, we might have had a better uh, post-2006 run. So maybe we blame the last 10 years of, you know, not getting the playoffs on Doug Waite. There you go. It's all, it's all Doug Waite. It's all his fault. It, let's just admit it. We we had a uh, uh, our, our Anaheim Ducks interview already, and uh, they have a much different memory of Doug Wade because I was right at the end of his career. So uh, they kept uh, apparently his nickname there was Dead Wade. Hearing this this nice talk of Doug Wade, one of my favorite players of all time, always appreciated. So yeah, I, we love Doug Wade here in St. Louis, and uh, happy to see Carolina, and then of course Edmonton uh, appreciates him as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's, and again, uh, the Islanders loved him for a season. Right, that's true. <laughs> One year, um, and and so yeah, this was uh, I, I, you know, one of the one of the themes that we've had here on this show is you know kind of talking about you know some of these teams. Like uh, I remember we we had uh, Eddie Garcia of the Puck Podcast from the L.A. Kings. He came on and talked about them, and uh, just a couple other people who've witnessed the first Stanley Cup for the franchise. Obviously, that's the talk of the summer here in St. Louis. But, uh, 
you know, I want to talk about the Hurricanes championship a little bit in terms of what it did for the city. Um, I remember that playoff very well because, as I said, I mean, the for for St. Louis, it was Chris Pronger versus Doug Waite. And it was just kind of, huh, okay, well, we're going to see somebody lift the cup that's a former blue. And uh, it, it so it kind of was a captivating uh, uh, Stanley Cup final for many people. I remember just just hearing about the Carolina crowd. Well, they're a, they're a college football crowd, you know. That's all they care about there. But then you hear them. You hear the crowd for the home games. You hear about the the watch parties, the massive amount of people that were coming out, and it was electric there in Carolina. And it was obvious that, at least to me, that anyone in, in Raleigh and in, in you know Greensboro, anywhere they played. They're going to support any team that, that that gives it their all. And I think we saw that again this year in 2019. But when they first win the Stanley Cup, I mean, that was a big deal. Because one, it was the first win out of the lockout. And, you know, it kind of showed, hey, anyone's got a chance if you make the playoffs. But also, I think to me, marked Rally as a hockey destination. People uh, recognize them as a good hockey team and a good hockey city. Uh, so in terms of, of living there and, and witnessing it yourself, what was the city like in twenty or 2006 when uh, when the team finally got the first uh, franchise, and it includes Hartford, uh, Stanley Cup? Well, you know, I, I almost, to put it into perspective, I think I have to backtrack a little bit, right? So if we look at the Carolina Hurricanes history, they, they started in 1997. And then there was a, a, a you know, in, in 1998, there was the loss to the Boston Bruins, uh, I believe in the first round of the playoffs, uh, which was a tragic loss because uh, immediately after after that, after that last game, there was a, a drunk driving death by, by former Carolina Hurricanes, Steve Chason. Um and, and, you know, it kind of brought all of the, the happiness down. But the, the following year, the Canes go to the playoffs uh, against the, the dreaded New Jersey Devils uh, in, in a game that we knew we weren't going to win. And, and Martin Brodeur is there. It's the first season in Raleigh. Uh, but for the final seven minutes of the game, when the Canes are down and are about to lose the series, the entire stadium stood as one and cheered for a seven-minute standing ovation for the effort those boys had put on. And that kind of marks that first moment in history between the Canes and, and, and the Carolinas where they really kind of came together and, and the, the city and the team kind of bonded. And if you look at that 1999, uh, and, and a lot of people will fight me on this, that's one of the best 10 – we're looking at one of the best 10-year runs of any team that's not appreciated in history. If you say, you know, 1999, lose to New, lose to New Jersey, a very good New Jersey team. 2002, lose to arguably the greatest hockey team ever assembled in the Detroit Red Wings, who currently have, I believe, 12 players in the Hockey Hall of Fame with Pavel Datsuk still to go in. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and then 2006, where we win the cup, and then 2009, where we once again go to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose to the eventual champions uh, in the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there was this crazy kind of 10-year one where the Carolina Hurricanes fans 
we became a little spoiled, but we felt this building, right? 1999, you filled a building, and then all of a sudden, 2002, gosh, we're just happy to be here. Gosh darn golly gee, you know, welcome to Redneck Hockey and Mayberry, everybody. Look at us. Aren't we cool? <laughs> then 2006 comes, and we're like, you know what? We can do this. We have the team to do this. And there was just this symbiotic thing of – you mentioned the college atmosphere, you know, for those who don't know Raleigh real well, within you know 12 miles of each other, you have the University of North Carolina, home of the dirty, filthy, cheating, stinking Tar Heels, uh, Duke University, and, uh, and NC State University, of which I'm a proud alum. Um, and then there's, you know, a, another eight or ten smaller universities around, but it is very much a college town uh, full of uh, tech and entrepreneurs. But it's the one thing, we, the Carolina Hurricanes are that one thing we can kind of all come together and, and support. Uh, and one of the things that's most unique about Carolina Hurricanes playoff hockey, and this is, you know, was true in 2006 and it's true today, is we have carried over the tailgating culture from college football to hockey. So, uh, you know, I, I can speak for, for myself. I've been a season ticket holder since 1997, uh, but I tailgated at least three hours before every single Stanley Cup final game in 2006. Uh, so the crowd was ramped up. Uh, we were well lubricated, but maybe even more importantly, you know, we were all kind of out in the parking lots talking about how great this team was, what this team needed, uh, and having fun, interesting hockey conversations, uh, and, and watching this whole community of new burgeoning hockey fans, uh, come together around something that was so special. And you, you look back to that team and, you know, there were some great players that, you know, Maybe not, they're not Hall of Famers, but they're Hall of Really Gooders, and those Hall of Really Gooders are going to be, you know, the Mark Reckies, the Doug Waits, the you know these other guys. So I, I can't say enough about just the impact of that team and this community and how it came together. Um, and it, it, I think that's what fueled this, you know, most current run because we had ten years of pent up demand because those of us who had been there before knew what we could do when we came together i like to ramble can you tell Jeff? no man i'm right with you we're uh that's let's what, go, baby. that's all we do here in uh on let's go blues radio we 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 have these like talking points that we're like oh make sure we get to these and then we'll just go on some tangent about a game from 1999 and we're just well we've been talking about this for 20 minutes guys let's uh let's at least talk about what just happened this week so yeah it's uh <laughs> you're you're in good company sir don't you worry about that Good stuff. <laughs> uh, so I, again, I, it's something I think that we all want to talk about a little bit here, and that's the uh, the this past season. Obviously, the Blues went on to win the Stanley Cup, but uh, the Hurricanes are, are definitely somebody worth mentioning from this season. The bunch of jerks there in Carolina, um, jerks. Yeah, just such jerks. And and let me tell you, I love it because, whoo man, Don Cherry. Uh, I got some, I've had some things to say about him in the past, so. Good for Carolina to show him up. But uh, it's funny because you look at the two meetings between these two teams in the season. And again, I didn't really realize this until you and I uh, started talking about doing this. Um, They meet in November. Both teams probably not going to make the playoffs, right? You look at the the, the game in November 6th. You know, the Blues won that one. It was Ryan O'Reilly's first NHL hat trick. Obviously, his first with the Blues then. Blues won that one 4-1, to one, uh, and that was the fifth consecutive loss for the Hurricanes. Blues were sputtering out of the gate. So this just, at that, point, at that time, it's 
you know, oh, a, a, a St. Louis Carolina game. Nobody in their right minds would have thought these are two teams that could meet in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, then you flip the script. Both teams go on that hot run late in the year, and uh, they meet again on March 1st. And I remember that. I remember the the game on, on November 6th and just saying, ho-hum, Hurricanes Blues, here we go. You know, going to watch this just because I do a podcast, not because I want to. March 1st, it was, oh my gosh, Blues Hurricanes. That's the other hot team in the league. I can't wait to see this game. I mean, it the 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 script had flipped so much. And by the way, the Hurricanes win that one 5 to 2 for their fourth straight win and their 13th victory in 17 games. Um so that was a big deal there in Carolina. Kind of kept them afloat there in the Eastern Conference standings. But yeah, I want to take your take on this. Obviously, people know mine who listen to my who listen to, to Let's Go Blues Radio and who listen to Curtin Bill, my co-host. Uh, you know, they all know our thoughts on on the uh the crazy way the Blues got to the playoffs this year. But from the other side of it, I mean, obviously the Carolina Hurricanes just as impressive throughout the regular season. Yeah, I mean it was we we had some injuries. We had uh, you know, first time coach and you know guy we've talked about a lot so far Ron Rindemore uh you know we had a team that uh, you know Steve Simmons of uh the Toronto Fish Rap uh you know famously called a gong show and um you know we we kind of started off the season pretty well uh Sebastian Ajo started the season off on a tear 14 consecutive games and points and we felt pretty good but then you know, as Carolina Hurricanes fans are want to do, we knew that the other shoe was going to drop. Uh, and that shoe drops in November, as it always did. And we take a West game, road, you know, that, that kind of West Coast road trip. And uh, the Canes have statistically and historically just been awful in St. Louis. And, you know, we got our heads handed to us by Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you just, you know the guy who should be in the heart con in at least the heart conversation this year and uh, Thank you. will not win it. But, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, one of those guys that, uh, you know, just had an amazing season, but, you know, after January 1st, the two hottest teams in the national hockey league, not named the Tampa Bay lightning were the Carolina hurricanes and the St. Louis Blues. Statistically, the Canes had scored, uh, had, had obtained uh, the most points since January 1st of any team in the National Hockey League when the St. Louis Blues rolled into town. And you, you saw what the Blues were doing and how, how fast they were coming up. And we're like, guys, this is for for us. I know we talked about it on our podcast, uh, Cheaters Never Win, uh, section328.com. Hit the plug. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, we were like, guys, this is the measuring stick game, right? This is the game that if we come in here and don't, I'm going to use a very technical term. If we don't come in and shit the bed and, and we actually play our brand of hockey, you know, this is a team that's coming in, you know, with, with Petrangelo and with Pareko and, you know, a big heavy defense and, you know, O'Reilly and Tarasenko up front and everything that was going on. We were just like, Guys, if, if we can at least not just shit the bed here, we might actually have something. Because we had spent the last two months watching this team kind of climb up the standings, but just having this little feeling inside of us that, guys, this is just false hope, right? We're going on an 11-game losing streak any second now. We had been conditioned 10 years <laughs> in a row. The Carolina Hurricanes take this, you know, they have a crappy first part of the year, and then they make this run, so that way we make sure we draft 12. Um, 
But sure enough, the, the, the Blues rolled to town, and, and thankfully Craig Maruby made quite possibly the smartest decision he made in his entire year uh, and started Brian Elliott, of which we are still thankful. Uh, and we were able to escape with a 5-2 win. And it was a, a phenomenal night. Uh, if I recall it, I believe Sebastian Ajo got a nice fluky goal that night. Um, and, and it was just a lot of fun. And we walked out of the arena for the first time thinking, guys, we might be onto something here. This team might be for real. Uh, and that felt like that moment in our season that really led to all of that fun that happened uh, on April 4th when we finally did clinch our first playoff spot in uh, in 10 years, uh, all the way through that Eastern Conference final. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Ajo's, uh, uh, you know, the mishandle from Jake Allen that led to uh, Ajo's shorthanded game-winning goal. Um, but uh, I want to talk to you before we get into talking a little bit about uh, the playoffs themselves and, and these two teams, the the run they went on then too. Um, Sebastian Ajo, to me, this is somebody who I call him the uh, the the most underrated player because I don't think anyone pays attention to him outside of Carolina. He is a hell of a player. Now, again, you look at the goal he scored in that second game against the Blues. Anyone can score that goal that uh, knows how to handle the puck. But we've seen Ajo have some pretty insane goals, and he's a guy who's really stepped up and been everything the Hurricanes need. Uh, what do you think his future looks like? You know, I, I think, as as Tom Dunn has said, he is the leader of this franchise going forward. Uh, he will most likely be the Carolina Hurricanes' next captain. And uh, I, I believe that uh, you know, that is going to be go down in history as one of the great second round steals uh, that, that the Canes have ever done is uh, bringing in a guy like Sebastian Ajo. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, Rod Brindamore said, I don't think, I think he's a little bit too slight. I don't think he plays defense hard enough, and I don't think he could be a center. Uh, and Rod Brindamore wanted to play him on the wing. And uh, Sebastian Ajo just came in. We had a couple of injuries, and Rod says, well, okay, well, let's, let's put him at center and see what he does. He thrived, and he was phenomenal. And then we got a few more injuries to the likes of Jordan Stahl. And, uh, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes said, well, why are we just trying to kill penalties? Why don't we just try to score when we're on the penalty kill? So he's like, you know what? Let's throw Turbo and let's throw Ajo out there. And sure enough, that pair scored seven shorthanded goals this season, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, Ajo is kind of growing into growing into his role. I don't think he's ever going to be a Jordan Stahl or, or Mark Burton, you know, uh, Patrice Bergeron, you know, kind of shutdown guy. But I, I absolutely think that Sebastian Ajo is, is the future of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, and as a restricted free agent, I think Sebastian Ajo is about to get paid like the future of the Carolina Hurricanes. So we mentioned a bunch of jerks, which everybody knows uh, what that relates to with Don Cherry. But uh, something I want to talk to you about uh, closing up here that, you know, obviously 2019 playoffs, uh, uh, your captain comes out and says, yeah, we're not going to be doing the, uh, the what do they call it? The, the celebrations? Storm surge. Storm surge. Yeah, we're not going to be doing the storm surge in the playoffs. But speak to just the the. The way that they went about doing these, and, and again, something we've never seen before in the NHL, which is what why it pissed off so many of the uh, older generation in the NHL. Uh, but man, I, I'll tell you, I loved it. I know a lot of people that loved it. Um, was that something you think that, you know, at the end of the day, was that something that brought the team together? Or do you think it was just a matter of them playing a better game later in the year? You know, I, I think it was a combination of, Rod Brindamore said, hey, we're going to do things different. We're going to have a little bit of fun. 
and if we win, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. And it was actually Justin Williams' idea to come up with the storm search. I remember the first home win uh, when, you know, they they had the first home win. We're all excited. And then the team lines up on the blue line, and we're like, oh, this is kind of instead of doing the circle at center ice like they've done before in years past, you know, they're lining up the blue line and they're going to kind of do the thing. And then all of a sudden you start hearing the skull clap and we're like, this is new. What's going on? And then like the whole arena just kind of stopped. Right. And then you see Justin Williams take two or three strides and kind of turn and just wave to the guys to say, come on. And they go, and as a you know, as a team, everybody just jumps into the end boards, and we literally—I'm not going to lie to you—my wife cried, <laughs> and I was, she was like, "That was so cool," and they are having so much fun, and then we were like, "That was really cool." The boys are excited, and it felt like you know we've gone through a lot of kind of disjointed, dare I call them, unlikable Carolina Hurricanes teams over the last few years. Uh, but it was obvious from the beginning that these guys were having a little bit of fun, and something was different. And then the next game happened, and then they did it again, and then the next game happened. They did it, but instead of doing it the same way, they faked everybody out, went to the other end boards, and were like, "Oh crap, this is a thing!" <laughs> and then people started coming to games because. Normally, you're up 5-1. You're like, okay, time to beat traffic. I'll leave with like two minutes left. Nobody's leaving because everybody wants to see what the team's going to do for the storm surge. And it just started building upon itself. And then it started getting a little bit more choreographed. And we've talked to some people inside the organization. And a lot of these ideas just came from the guys. Like they had ideas like, oh, hey, we should do this. Or, hey, we should do that. Uh, and then, you know, it eventually got to the point where they're like, oh, we saw a fan have this idea on Twitter. Let's do this. Or, hey, it's the NCAA tournament. Let's have Trevor Fan. Let's roll out a, a, a basketball hoop and have Trevor Fan Reeves like dunk, which was the scariest one ever because I was – for sure the TVR was going to come down on his skate, snap his ankle in two, and we were going to have a whole dramatic uh, over-celebrating punter uh, thing happening in Carolina. But no, it was just – it was amazing. Uh, I, I have a four-year-old son, and uh, when we didn't win at home, he's like, Daddy, they're not going to celebrate. I'm like, buddy, you can't celebrate when, when, when you don't win. And uh, it, from the kids to the fans, it was just – it started off as something so pure and so organic, uh, and, and you know, kudos to the Canes and, and all of their staff. Mike Foreman over there is the director of marketing, and, and and all of those guys. When when Don Cherry decided to go on his rant after Brian Burke, you know, for what it's worth, Brian Burke did the rant first, uh, and, and I, I, I'm a you know I'm a huge fan of of angry Berkey, but. Uh, when Don Cherry goes on his Hockey Night in Canada rant, uh, for the team to so quickly within 36 hours be able to turn around a logo, shirts, and have it form an identity, it gave us that final piece of like going, hey guys, it's us versus the world. And as we referred to them on our podcast, uh, to anger the 200 old white hockey men uh, just made us so, so happy. So uh, it, it was it was a great time in Carolina. Uh, I don't know if next year we're still going to meet a bunch of jerks. I don't next year if we're going to see uh, a storm surge. All I know is uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that team uh, hit the ice again this October. So that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. So obviously this team, you know, they went on that miraculous run and, and that was the question in St. Louis, which I think has already been answered. You know, this team went on a miraculous run. Can they do it for a full season? Are they going to bring everyone back because of the, 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 the second half 
I think the question's answered there for the Blues because they win the Cup. You can't have a massive turnover. But for the Hurricanes, they go to this third round. Very exciting. Um, obviously, both goalies are uh, are UFAs this year, so there's going to be some question marks there. And uh, I just want to ask you, do you think that uh, this was a for real Hurricanes team? Or do you think there's still a lot of pieces that need to be corrected uh, before they can make a run like that again? You know, I, I, I absolutely, what, what folks may not know is you know, this Carolina Hurricanes team, and you know, we're under the new leadership of Don Waddell, but Ron Francis has been building up uh, this pipeline for quite some time. Uh, you know, you look to uh, the Charlotte Checkers, who just won the Calder Cup as the AHL champions, as one of the youngest teams in the American Hockey League, uh, but also one of the most talented. So there, there's a lot of first-round draft picks that are sitting down there playing with Charlotte right now. Uh, the, the likes of some names you're going to hear in the future with Martin Natchos, uh, who, who is definitely going to take a top-six role for this Carolina Hurricanes team next year. Uh, then you've got Hayden Flurry, who bounced back and forth between both uh, the, the big club and the little Hurricanes. Hurricanes this year, uh, guys like Jake Bean, Jay's like guys like Julian Gauthier, uh, you know, all former first round draft picks who, who are down there and learning learning how to win. Uh, so so the pipeline is stocked, uh, including a goaltender Alex Nedeljkovic who uh, helped the, the, the Team USA win the World Juniors just a few years ago. But I think that the Carolina Hurricanes, while there have some decisions to be made. Um, I don't think there's any real hard decisions. We have to figure out the goaltending uh, piece. And, you know, Don Waddell has said he'd love to bring back Peter Mrazek. Uh, I think that the goaltending team next year is probably going to be Peter Mrazek and, and Alex Nedeljkovic, uh, just because Ned is, you know, he's, he's 23 years old. He's, you know, earned his, earned his time to be able to start to come up with a big club. And, um, the, the entire defensive core is going to be coming back. We've got uh, Calvin DeHaan maybe coming back uh, closer to November after he had to have a, a second soldier, shoulder surgery after the playoffs. But uh, we've got the entire blue line coming back. And uh, you know, you've got a restricted free agent up front and, and Sebastian Lyons who's going to get resigned. Really, you know, the only two UFAs the Canes are, are most likely going to lose are Michael Furlan, who, uh, folks outside of Carolina may not know this, but ended up uh, heavily in the coach's doghouse uh, near the end of the playoffs for his uh, unwillingness to, to jump out there and, and play when he may have only been at 90 or 95%. Uh, and Greg McKay, who was a, a great addition to this team, but he's a, a journeyman fourth liner uh, who could be filled in by any one of, of five or six guys who are currently playing for the Charlotte Checkers or anybody else you know, around the National Hockey League who's willing to take an $875,000 contract. So um, I think the team comes back fairly intact. Uh, I, I think, you know, we're, we're recording this right before the National Hockey League draft, uh, and I mentioned the blue line. I, I think there is a change made on the blue line this weekend. Uh, I, I will go ahead and, and call my shot. I believe Justin Falk will get traded to the Winnipeg Jets, and Nick, and, uh, Nick Ellers will be uh, moved to the Carolina Hurricanes and, and will find himself a spot on the first or second line. Uh, right there alongside Tavo Teravainen and Sebastian Ajo, and uh, great things are going to happen for us. So um, I, I think it's a very interesting season for what's what's to come in Carolina, but uh, I think for the most part this team is set up for success, not only for a year or two, uh, but I, I think this team could have some consistent success for the next four or five years, uh, particularly if we can continue to just get some big average goaltending. Well, folks, uh, he called it, so we'll see. By the time this airs, um, we'll see if uh, Nikolai Ehlers is truly a Carolina Hurricane. But uh, 
if that happens, you better believe that I will be uh, making sure to to put that out there. Hey, hey, he called it on my show first, so let's let's remember called that. Called the shot. Called it. I like it, Kobe. Uh, Mike, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Um, I want to make sure to give you time here at the end to uh, tell my listeners and any Hurricanes fans that might have tuned in uh, where they can find uh, you know anything that you write or talk about uh, and how they can interact with you on social media and also where in, they can listen to your podcast. Absolutely, and I, I appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, Section 328 has uh, been around for the last six, seven, eight seasons, something like that. It, it's been been just a passion project for us and uh, fortunate enough to, to work with a uh, few folks and writers that we we write random things we, we we put out really bad photoshops on game days and things we call hurricanes watches by uh, our, our friend Meg uh, and uh, myself and my podcast partner Derek uh, have put on uh, the cheaters never win podcast as we like to refer to it the reigning defending undisputed podcast champion of Raleigh the longest reigning Carolina Hurricanes podcast now going to be in our seventh upcoming season this year uh but uh we have a lot of friends we talk a little hurricanes we do a little hockey snark uh we review beer every episode so uh it's a lot of fun you can find it on all podcast apps apple uh, spotify stitcher google you name it uh cheaters never win uh you can always find it on uh, section 328.com or uh you can also follow us on social media we are at section underscore 328 please make sure to respect the underscore uh but uh we're all we're out there uh, on social media and uh, as i said we uh we look forward hopefully another great season where the uh, st louis blues roll into raleigh in mid-march and it is a uh, measuring stick for what we hope is going to be uh another long playoff run for both our squads yes let's hope so i agree with you there mike i really appreciate you coming on thank you very much and um yeah definitely tune in to uh, uh cheaters never win as well as uh, section 328.com thank you mike appreciate it thanks jeff well, I again want to thank Mike for coming on. If you want to stay tuned with the show, Twitter handles uh, at LGB Radio is your show Twitter. Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. Jeff Ponder, myself, can be found at JPonder94. Our next show, it's a big one, folks. It's a marquee show. Thursday, August 22nd. Jeff Osborne from the Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast will be joining me. We will talk Blues and Blackhawks. And this was a fun episode to do. Um, it was, uh, he was too nice. That was my only problem there. I wanted to fight with him. You know, I wanted, uh, Blackhawks Blues. Let's, let's, uh, let's throw down, buddy. Let's meet up in Decatur or wherever a, uh, halfway point is and, and throw down. But uh, he was just too nice. But no, it was. It, we do talk a lot about the rivalry. We talk about the St. Patrick's Day massacre, um, and then of course, you know, the recent playoff series um, that the two teams have played recently, and just a lot. So this was a great episode. Make sure you tune in for that one. Uh, I purposely put this one in, in the dead of August because I figure this was going to be an episode that people were going to be clamoring for, who like the series that I'm doing. And I thought, you know, this will be a good one to have when there's really no hockey talk going on right now. So uh, make sure you tune in for that one again. That releases on Thursday, August 22nd. Well, that will conclude this episode of Let's Go Blues Radio. Thanks again to Adam for, uh, for, for chiming in to keep the party going. And again, thanks to Mike. And of course, thank you for listening. And until next time, everyone, let's go blues. Play Gloria!
Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.